welcome to the Nerd Party. Hello and welcome to Great Shot Kid, the podcast on the Nerd Party Network that looks at the technical and inspirational side of Star Wars creators and the creative process. I'm John. And I'm Mike. And this week, we finally get to a special treat where, because everybody's been talking about the Han Solo movie and uh, the shakeup with directors there, uh, a comparison to give us an idea. So this week, we are looking at 21 Jump Street by uh, Miller and Lord, and we are looking at uh, The Paper by Ron Howard. Uh, a movie from the 1990s. Uh, so we're looking at this from the, the perspective of these are both relatively fast-moving uh, scripts and films. And what about the styles do we see with these directors? And I, I was trying to look at... I had never seen 21 Jump Street before. You had, Mike. I yes. had seen the paper before, but you had not, correct? That's right. So we kind of flip-flopped on those. So uh, I'll let you go first, Mike. Uh, give everybody a breakdown. What is the paper about? The paper? Um, it's about, uh, it's like a day in the life of a newspaper, essentially, right? And it takes place over the span of 24 hours. And it's about uh, Michael Keaton, who runs like the metro section of the newspaper. And there's a thing that happens where uh, these um, white businessmen are killed and there are uh, racial slurs written on their car and there are a couple of black teenagers who happen to be walking by when it happens and they are essentially framed for this murder by the police um, as as a way of just sort of like finding someone to take the blame, you know, and showing that, you know, they're they're taking action in a timely manner and all that stuff, and this seems to be the story, but Michael Keaton thinks that maybe the story is that these kids are actually innocent, and he's chasing that lead, um, maybe at the expense of his career and family. Yes, uh, it's about being a, a principled person in the midst of uh, the turmoil of trying to get a deadline done. Mm -hmm. What's more important, the deadline or being right? And that, that is sort of the, the, the theme going through the whole film. And 21 Jump Street is a zany comedy that's somewhat self-aware, uh, where instead of just updating the beloved... Uh, 1980s TV show that launched Johnny Depp's uh, career instead uh, is just really sort of like a madcap opportunity for Channing Tatum and, and Jonah Hill to do a buddy comedy with a lot of uh, really, really bawdy humor. Um, I, I mean, I think that pretty much encapsulates 21 Jump Street. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Sure. I mean, they're under, you know, they're, they're undercover cops. And their boss is Ice Cube. Yes. And, uh, you know, they. It, the focus of 21 Jump Street is to make you laugh, not to tell you a story about, um, you know, being a principled newspaper man in, in a bygone era. Uh, no. So, well, I was just going to say, but I do think that there are some interesting things going on thematically in that, in that uh, movie in terms of, you know, 
being yourself and and sort of like embracing your your weirdness and uh you know working together with others in order to achieve goals and all that good stuff i think more than anything it is kind of a, a high school movie and yeah. it's just that the the people who are sort of like experiencing high school that are are a couple of 25 year old cops but they're yeah. still learning the high school lessons in a sense you know well high school has changed since they were there that yeah. i mean that, that i think is is probably the thing that was very much missing from the original 21 jump street is you know the whole the whole concept is these cops look young enough to be in school so they're going to infiltrate i mean it's like a mod squad thing mm-hmm. basically yeah whereas this this is much more has a lot more fun because people you know keep saying to Channing Tatum you know what what are you like 30 you know yeah. <laughs> you don't look like you belong in high school yeah um so you know i i mean that's definitely that's definitely a part of the bit i had not seen the paper in many years i actually worked at a a very small newspaper uh and and saw a press screening uh back when it was released and i remembered really liking it a whole lot uh, we never ever had deadlines like that. We, like we were a podunk little newspaper for you know a, a county in Maryland, and it was you know so so we didn't we didn't face any sort of you know oh my gosh we you know we're gonna get the the big paper splash page and and that sort of thing. Um, but it was endearing. This time around, what was interesting about it was I really realized two things the first was how much the world has changed since that movie came out because as they're talking about these deadlines and everything one of the things is uh you know glenn close tries tries to hold the line saying you can be right tomorrow we got to be we got to get the story out there today and how much that thinking very much exists in the internet age people don't care about being right they care about getting the scoop and there's also a rant that uh, Robert Duvall, who plays uh, you know the head honcho at the paper, basically, who he has a rant about columnists, saying it's just a bunch of people giving their opinion. What do I care? I want to hear about the news. And it's like, well, that, wow, it's a good thing that this guy was. You know, the internet was a hard time for this guy to be alive. Yeah. 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 It's it is interesting. I mean, it's technology has changed so much. I mean, the fact that this is in a pre-internet you know world, and I mean, yeah, you had TV stations and everything, but now it's different in that all of these newspapers have websites, and essentially you're going to get all of the news before the newspaper is out. You know, I mean, this this movie exists even before the cell phone revolution. Mm-hmm. So people are able, you know, people don't know where somebody is for 20 minutes. Yeah. You know, and and it's, uh, I, I mean, I think it's fascinating. I think also what's really fascinating is the fact that uh, Randy Quaid plays a columnist who basically has made somebody's life a living hell. And it comes back at the end with, a, you know, with, with a very, uh, you know, vitriolic, angry moment. Where the guy talks about how, you know, you've destroyed my life. And Randy Quaid says, well, it was just your turn. Mm-hmm. You know, you work for the city. It's just your turn. And even that, looking at that in terms of the Internet, is, you know, I mean, people make jokes now about how the fact that, you know, it, every day somebody's outraged about something online. And it's like, who are, who are we torching today? 
Yeah. And it's, you know, it really is very interesting to see how how things have changed, but how they sort of stayed the same. It's just become more hectic. Mm-hmm. You know, you ha- you used to have to wait 24 hours to find out who the target of your, your wrath was, and now you can find out every 24 minutes. Um, but outside of that, technically speaking, what did you think of the paper in terms of what it might say about Ron Howard's approach to, I mean, Han Solo movie is obviously you know i mean it's pretty pro pretty uh, uh ensemble cast i mean it's a han solo movie but you've got lando and you've got woody harrelson playing a character so you know that it's not a minor character and you've got these other people in there that who are going to be in the mix what do you think uh about how the papers put together that says about how ron howard's approach to a you know a, a multi-storyline multi-character type of cast well, it has a, a like a very large ensemble too, and you know some pretty big names like Michael Keaton and Marissa Tomei, you know Sp- Spider Man, you know, hey, and uh, you've got Glenn Close and Randy Quaid and and Robert Duvall and all these other people, and and they all have like their moments and stuff, you know. I mean, some of them have some pretty thorough storylines, like uh, you know Robert Duvall and stuff like that, and um, I, I think that. You know, he does a pretty good job of, like, handling all those threads and keeping them manageable, uh, especially, you know, in a in a reasonable running time and, and everything like that. I think tonally it's it's kind of weird at times. I, you know, I know you were saying, like, oh, it's like a comedy. Like, I definitely don't think it's a comedy. You know, I mean, there there's some lighthearted moments or some humor in it, but I, I, I guess... You know, I, I definitely wouldn't consider it to be a comedy, even though that's kind of like even how it's billed online and everything, you know. But uh, I, I think that, that it is pretty solid for the most part. I think the ending is very, very bizarre. But, um, but yeah, for the most part, I think it's it's really good. You know, and it is kind of interesting to see how these things work. You know, like it's almost like a... Uh, a procedural in a sense in terms of like how a newspaper works and and that's kind of exciting yeah i i get what you're saying with that i think to address the comedy thing i think that it's a comedy because at the time period despite batman michael keaton was still primarily known as a comic actor and he definitely brings the the comic energy to it and there are definitely definite uh humorous moments uh to the film so it's undoubtedly one of those marketing choices where they th- they thought they were going to get better traction by saying, hey, look, it's a Michael Keaton comedy, mm-hmm. you know, return to form for, you know, Batman sort of thing. Um, I, you know, with the with the procedural, I like I would always be fascinated because, you know, newspapers aren't quite gone yet. But I would be so fascinated uh, to get people's reactions who are maybe a little bit younger who have you know never read the news like for us we still have that touchstone we're still familiar with newspaper culture outside of the time of the internet and so seeing this we can still sort of plug in i would love to see whether there's you know that that mind-blowing moment of like wow how did you guys get news back in the you know in, in the old days or something like that um in terms of juggling the plot lines what it, what it, what struck me was with like with all of the multiple stuff it still feels very planned it doesn't feel very spontaneous um even during the scene like there are a couple of scenes when Randy Quaid shoots the stack of newspapers 
very well handled, but it's got a very stage play feel to it where it has a rhythm. This person talks and this person talks and there's over, you know, talking over other people, but you're never confused about what's going on. The focus is always on the person you need to focus, which I mean, maybe that is something that they very much wanted Howard to bring to the Han Solo movie is there are obviously a lot of characters and there's probably a lot of kinetic uh, movement and scenes, but Kasdan definitely seems to be from that more uh, uh, rhythmic school of of ensemble casts. Yeah, even though, you know, Howard has done comedies in the past, I think uh, his comedies like this one are sort of more grounded in reality and they tend to be more formal in nature yeah. than, you know, uh, improvisational. At least that's how it seems to me anyway. Yeah, you know. yeah very, and, you know, all the indications are that that's specifically what Kasdan wanted back yeah. was, uh, was less improv. And so I think that's probably a good segue into 21 Jump Street. Yeah. Um, because that definitely has a very different energy about it. Uh, yes, very, it does. It, it's very, it's very much looser than uh, than the paper is. So, like throwing them head to head. I mean, what what do you see different about Twenty One Jump Street? I mean, besides the improv feel to it, what is it about that energy? Do you think that there's something lost from moving away from what's obviously what obviously would have been that model toward a more Ron Howard model? Yeah, I think there is definitely something lost because. I think with Ron Howard, and I think this is one of the reasons why they hired him, it's like, you know exactly what you're going to get, you know? Mm -hmm. And with Miller and Lord and 21 Jump Street, I mean, one of the things which is really striking to me about 21 Jump Street is that while there is a lot of improvisation and everything, there is still like a lot of uh, cool stuff going on formally. Like it does have like a, a... a definitive structure, you know, the action beats, I think, are still really well choreographed and really well done. And, you know, it's it's like they're playing within a certain set of parameters instead of, uh, you know, just going crazy and, and you know, like making things right. up on the fly, you know, completely. It's, it's kind of like Ghostbusters in that sense, you know? And, oh, that's a good point. That's a good point. You know, it's interesting that people... They they weren't saying that it was like, you know, some of these insiders and stuff, they weren't saying that it was like super funny necessarily. It was just um, Im- improvised, not necessarily improvisational comedy, just improvisation, you know. And I, I don't know, to, to me, like, if that's how they work, if that's how they find these things, then, you know, more power to them. I don't know. I I, I, I think... And I would be more excited about seeing a Star Wars movie in the style of 21 Jump Street than I would be in seeing a Star Wars movie in the style of the paper, because I don't think that a Star Wars movie in the style of the paper is much different from what we already get, you know? Sure. Whereas I think that, you know, while there is the potential for failure by doing a, a Star Wars movie like 21 Jump Street, I think that the potential for success is also much higher, you know? I mean, or potential for something great is, is yeah, much higher. I, I completely agree with you, and I think that this speaks to, I mean, the, the whole quandary that, you know, Disney wants to make its money back, and Disney wants to set up a franchise that can pay for itself, and 
so going from that, people say, oh, well, that's why they want to have a, a strong hand at the wheel. But at the same time, the only way you're going to expand the appeal, you know, you have to freshen it up. You have to make it accessible to younger audiences that want something more in that style. And I think also somebody else pointed this out on Twitter and movies are rewritten all the time. There's always a writer on set that's, you know, coming up with new pages or something like that. And somebody pointed out on Twitter, you know, rather uh, rather snarkily, but I thought it was a decent point where during this whole thing, you know, the word is leaked out that Kazden wanted people who were sticking more to the script. And they pointed out that in Empire Strikes Back, one of the beloved moments was improvised mm-hmm. on set while they were filming. Yeah. So it becomes one of those things of, you know, I, I think to, you know, to speak to your point, like, have they just lost all sense of, uh, are they just completely risk averse? Uh, 21 Jump Street, I will tell you that I was, um, I was delightedly surprised uh, because the, I'd say the first third of it was getting like big guffaw laughs out of me. I like there were like I was legitimately just cracking up watching it, and I th- and even to the even to the point of Ice Cube, the way he does his role in that is so brilliant. Yeah, know? he's really good. Yeah, <laughs> he, he really is, and. I thought, I mean, for me, Channing Tatum was, in a sense, a revelation. I was like, wow. You know, I've never been one to, like, rag on Channing Tatum or anything. Like, you know, whenever an attractive actor comes on the scene, it's very easy for people to be like, oh, well, yeah, he just got the job because of that. But he's really funny. Like, he, he is. And I have to believe that the directors found that in him and brought it out of him. Whereas if they, you know, played it safer, it would have been a much more, you know, it would have been cute, but it wouldn't have been funny. Yeah, uh, we, as far as the Channing Tatum thing is concerned, that's something that I've been talking about a lot recently over on Soderbergh twenty eight twenty eight because, you know, in the the last few movies that he made, uh, Soderbergh ten, tended to cast Tatum in everything, and it was one of those things where just like with you, I, I kind of had dismissed him you know, probably unfairly, you know, I, first time I saw him was in some Nicholas Sparks movie, you know, and I was just like, oh, this is so terrible. And then, you know, it's like, well, Soderbergh's casting him. Well, there's got to be a reason for that. And then you watch him and and stuff like, you know, Magic Mike in particular, and he's, he's fantastic, you know? So, uh, yeah, I'm definitely a fan of Tatum now too. And he is really, really good in this, you know, he's kind of the, I guess, more of the straight man compared to Jonah Hill, right? Yes. And yeah. but but their their chemistry together I think is is really really solid and yeah, the, the 21 Jump Street is a movie which which I I think is really really good. Although you know, part of me I I think maybe part of the reason why I love it so much is just because I know what's coming next and I I almost feel like you gotta not not that Twenty One Jump Street is, be, but Twenty One Jump Street is definitely Star Wars to Twenty Two Jump Street's Empire. You know what I mean? Okay. <laughs> you have talked up Twenty Two <laughs> Jump Street. I, uh, you know, to tip the hand here, we will be looking at it for next week, uh, and I'm really looking forward to it because if you're saying it's next level compared to this, I am. I'm completely on board with that at, at this point, and I just. I just really, like, when I was watching 21 Jump Street, 
what's interesting about it to me is that the dynamic between Channing Tatum and Jonah Hill was a dynamic that I want to see between Han and Lando if they're going to be younger and in a movie together. Something mm-hmm. that is a lot very loose, something that is very zany at times, and at least one of them being, you know, and maybe they switch roles like Hill and Tatum switch depending on the circumstances at several points in the movie as to who's the person taking it seriously and who's the person joking around. And I think that that speaks to a, a dynamic that I'd want to see, you know, and, and it, I think it would give the characters somewhere to grow from the Han Solo movie to when we see them meet up again in Empire. So, but I mean, you know, all of that, I mean, it's an academic question, of course, because we're obviously never going to see it. But I mean, I mean, we'll see vestiges of it, but it it's so weird. How how are they going to craft it now? Um, and I, I just, you know, I don't know. Well, I mean, we'll find out, but I, I think that, uh, so with the paper, we're we're saying, you know, it's worth seeing for sort of historical curio sort of thing. Like, oh, this is Ron Howard back before, this is shortly before his Oscar days. This is right before he hit that Oscar stride. Yeah, this was, what, the year before Apollo 13, right? Yeah, I think so. So... Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's 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 interesting. He's one of these very very diverse filmmakers, you know, in terms of his style and everything. You know, I mean, I guess what these three movies in a row would be like: The Paper, Apollo thirteen, and then Ransom. Right? I think yeah, those, those are the are... three in a row. Yep. I mean, in, in three consecutive years, like that's that's pretty that's pretty. Uh, um, flexible in terms of you know what he can do and everything like that. You know, you add things like Willow and you know how the Grinch stole Christmas and and Ed TV to the mix, and it's like you know wow, you know not to mention the Da Vinci Code and all that stuff, and then a Beautiful Mind and everything. Like he really is all over the place, which I think is kind of cool. You know, his yeah. style is almost that he doesn't have a style. You know, he adapts what to whatever the the material needs and I, I think that that speaks uh, towards his ability to do a Star Wars movie. I mean, when his name was first mentioned, it's like, oh yeah, duh, you know, yeah, of course, right? of course they're going to get him to come in because they know exactly what he's going to deliver, you know, which is something you know, and in, in terms of his reliability, he's you know a friend of the family for all practical mm-hmm. purposes, and he isn't locked in to a very specific style like maybe Miller and Lord are, and he can adapt to whatever the challenge in front of him is, you know? So the one question I have, and I'd say that this is um, a good question to go out on because this seems to be sort of our, uh, you know, our wheelhouse to look for, but visually, do you see anything that, is going to require substantial reworking and reshoots between the way these two movies are shot. I mean, I think that in some ways Howard is going to adapt his style to fit whatever Miller and Lord had established. And I think Miller and Lord had already sort of, you know, altered their style a little bit in order to go in that direction. You know, I mean, the fact that they hired Bradford Young you know, the guy who uh, shot Arrival and Selma as their photographer and, you know, their editors were, 
they they had the editor of Shaun of the Dead and the editor of uh, well, basically every Ridley Scott movie, but you know JFK and and Black Hawk Down and stuff like that. Like, and all of those people are still in place, so far as we know, right? Yeah, definitely the cinematographer is because Ron Howard tweeted a picture of him on the set. Okay. So visually, and, and I think that you know maybe it's going to be almost kind of like a TV show type of thing where, you know, the directors change from week to week, but the crew is in place in, in order to provide that continuity, you know? Okay. Which I think was smart on, you know, Howard's part. I mean, for one thing, like, you don't f- fire Bradford Young because the guy's <laughs> amazing, but also, you know, even if, you know, he would have normally gone to, you know, someone who he had worked with, you know, numerous times in the past or whatever. I mean, there's so much upheaval to begin with. It seems like you want to keep everything else in place as much as you possibly can in order to provide some sort of stability, not only on the set, but also in terms of the style and everything like that. You know? Yeah, no, I I, I definitely, I, I think that's fair. I mean, I just... When when I watched um, the paper, I, I definitely saw a difference in the framing and the way the camera moved. But to your point, if you're keeping the same cinematographer, that's going to that's going to affect how how things move. But speaking of people he's worked before, uh, Clint Howard is now going to be in the Han Solo movie, as yeah. everybody I think expected. And I think as both a Star Wars and Star Trek fan, he needs to be somebody offering Tranya. I desperately want that to happen because that would cause the fan base meltdown of all time. It would be the greatest, I think. Yeah. I'm wondering if he's going to be some sort of weird alien thing or not. I don't know. Yeah. There's, there's a couple, a couple, well, you know, I guess we we already knew that Warwick Davis is going to be in it, you know, which is is kind of cool. Um, but yeah, like in 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 terms of like you know all this, because I mean, there's all these people who are always work together and everything. I mean, it should be noted, I guess, that the paper was written by David Cap, who you know yeah. just the year before had written Jurassic Park. So that's that's interesting, and oh, I guess we might as well also just mention that Twenty One Jump Street's written by Michael Bacall, who wrote uh, Scott Pilgrim versus the World, um, and he's I also still haven't at, seen that. Oh, oh no! Oh yeah, no. check it out. It's good. I I just I'd seen it a couple times in the past, but I just recently saw it as part of a Edgar Wright retrospective, and mm-hmm. whatever it was this time around, it it really struck a chord with me. But um, yeah, it's it's definitely a, a pretty cool movie, oh, and he's cool. he's an actor too. He's in a lot of uh, Tarantino stuff, uh, like Inglorious Bastards and Death. Oh Crew yeah, okay. I know. Yes, I know who you're talking about now. Yeah. So, so yeah. Um. Yeah, it's 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 kind of cool. I, and and it's interesting too that both of these movies, well I guess Ron Howard doesn't write anything himself, but you know, Lord and Miller are writers, but they didn't write 21 Jump Street and you know, they weren't going to write the Han Solo movie either, which is strange to me. But then, you know, thinking about it and thinking about how they didn't write 21 Jump Street either, maybe it's not that strange. I don't know. It's weird. But. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, coming out of these, we always do these side by sides to see, you know, is there, you know, is there a marked difference? Like, you know, doing the comparison and everything. But I, I think that coming out of this, there's definitely a sense of, you know, to your point, stability. So I'm looking forward to next week when we 
uh, are going to be looking at 22 Jump Street versus Apollo 13. And maybe there's going to be a bit more of a stark contrast between the two. Um, I'm actually really looking forward forward to that. But something we also look forward to uh, here on the Nerd Party Network is interaction with people who are listening. So you can go ahead to uh, nerdparty.com slash contact, look up Great Shot Kid and drop us a line. We'll get the message. Uh, you can also go find the Nerd Party over on Twitter at Join Nerd Party. And you can go to Facebook at facebook.com slash the Nerd Party. And we are home to a great number of shows. SETI Alpha 3, Punch It, Aggressive Negotiations, Nerd Nuptial, Filibuster. We've got shows, more shows than we know what to do with. And they're all for your listening pleasure, up to and including Owl Post from uh, the the wizarding wizarding world of Harry Potter. So uh, that's where you can contact the network and the show. Mike, where can people find you online? Uh, well, you can find me on Twitter at Mumbles3K, and you can also find me on TalkFilmSociety.com uh, doing a show called Soderbergh 2828, where we look at Channing Tatum movies. <laughs> and you can also find me on... Uh, commentarytrackstars.com doing commentary track stars and on trek.fm doing the edge and stage nine with you yes stage nine with me where we look at the uh, work and inspirations of star trek creators Uh, it's a lot of fun especially with discovery coming out and uh, you can find me also co-hosting right here on the nerd party network aggressive negotiations with matt rushing you can find me co-hosting Words with Nerds with my pal Craig. And if you want to interact with me personally online, just look for Kessel Junkie because that's my name out there. So with that, again, your assignment for next week is to watch 22 Jump Street and Apollo 13. Join the revolution. Join the nerd party.